Gabby, welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Now, regular listeners to the podcast will know that for the last five episodes, we have been focusing on romantic relationships, the areas that we struggle with most, and what we can do about it. And to bring our series within the series to a close, now we have addressed the major struggles when it comes to our love life, we're going to talk about the key components to building a happy, satisfying, rewarding and long-lasting relationship. And according to today's expert dating coach and social media influencer, there is some work that has to be done to make that happen. Alexandra Schelling, also known online as Toolbox for Love, is a certified relationship coach who teaches others how to create a healthy, thriving relationship that's built to last. Having gone through her own personal journey with now husband Dennis, which you will hear about today, Alexandra has dived deep into what to do to create and sustain a healthy foundation for love, bringing stability and peace of mind to your relationship. She's got some great tools and techniques. And when it comes to matters of the heart, now we've learned what not to do. Let's discover what to do. So ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Welcome, Alexandra Schelling, to the Happier Life Project. You're an international life and relationship coach, and your business is called Toolbox for Love. Exactly. Uh, and you came up with the name Toolbox for Love because this is a, a formula and a toolkit that you have developed for your clients, not just to find love, but to sustain and to nurture um, your clients' relationships. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I've realized how little we are actually taught about relationships. And so going through the ups and downs myself and my now 14 year relationship, you know, it's so interesting to learn one tool, and then that led to another tool. And so the more I talked to people, the more I said, these tools are actually really helpful when I share them. So it mm. kind of came up that toolbox for love seemed the most mm. appropriate that you kind of build your toolbox with tools. And whenever you need a tool to deal with a situation, whether it's your emotions, doubts, uh, misunderstanding, miscommunication, your differences, you have certain very specific practical tools to feel empowered in those situations. So that's where the idea came from. Oh, I love that. And I'm definitely going to be asking you about that as we kind of get into it. Basically, to kind of like set this up, as I've mentioned to you for the last four episodes of the Happier Life Project, we've been focusing on romantic relationships and the areas people struggle with. So I thought it would be amazing to kind of conclude like everything we've learned in terms of like what to do in certain areas, such as online dating, sex and mental health, toxic relationships, heartache breakups. And these episodes have proven to be really popular. I thought it would be lovely to now give our listeners some tools <laughs> and guidance, I guess how to put them on the right path for building and maintaining a loving and romantic partnership 
And also, I think it's important to talk about what that looks like, because warts and all, we, we've kind of conditioned to think we're chasing the, fair, the Disney fairy tale, aren't we? So we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure a little bit in that respect, too. Um, yeah, so I could think of no better guest to dive into all this stuff with. Sounds great. Yeah, I saw you nodding a lot to what I was saying as well. No relationship is perfect. There's always going to be obstacles to overcome. And I think for for a lot of us, it seems like the easier, safer option when the going gets tough to call it a day rather than letting ourselves be vulnerable or fearing that we're wasting time. What do you think about that? It's actually something that I mentioned in my very last post two days ago, because that's exactly what some someone messaged me and said, I think sometimes we give up too easily. And more than 80% of my community in, in stories, when I asked, do you agree with this? More than 80% agreed. So yeah, it, it is something that, you know, when, when when it gets rough, when it gets hard, again, because we aren't taught how to navigate the challenges, so I, 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 you know, I never judge someone for wanting to give up because I almost gave up twice as well. It's definitely not easy to go through challenges in a relationship. It, it requires a lot of self-awareness, work, understanding, getting out of our comfort zone, a lot of growth. And that is not comfortable. Mm. That actually takes mm. a lot of energy and also knowledge and skills. Um, I do believe love is not enough. I also have um, some posts about that and how skills are so important, skills like we could go on and on about this topic, but even, mm. you know, how how do I manage my doubts when I have doubts, intrusive thoughts? What do I do if we have low intimacy? Is it something that is concerning? How do we work around that? We have big differences. Mm. Should we be similar? How can we work around our differences? And so when mm. these situations come up, we sometimes do feel like maybe it's time to leave the relationship. So I agree, we tend to do that quite quickly. I I, I just wish we were um, mm. taught these things in schools. I don't say everyone breaks up quickly. I think some situations you do need to get out of. But yeah, I do believe yeah. that if we ha- would have the tools, it would be very different for sure. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because I think about like my grandparents and I always look to them as like relationship goals and they were together and, you know, until they sadly both passed away within a short space of time of each other. They, I'm sure they had lots of challenges. And when I was a kid, I wouldn't have known, but like my auntie and my mum said, oh yeah, you know, they would have their moments, but like they always worked through it. I mean, they just... I suppose because divorce wasn't necessarily a thing then. I mean, once you married somebody, that was it. But I suppose we seem to think have gone extreme the other way. Like there's, you know, the generation after that, then some some mum and dads broke up, some some stuck it out and were in very unhappy partnerships or dads and dads, mums and mums, whatever the, the partnership is. So I, I don't know. I think somewhere it's gotten all quite confusing, hasn't it? And now we just seem to have with social media in particular and technology options, loads of options. And I think our mind has gotten so frantic. Perhaps this is also affecting our relationships as well. I agree. I was going to say social media as well. Not not the only factor. I think also mm. knowing that it's it's more accepted to divorce, um, to leave a relationship, it's easier maybe, or again, it's more accepted in terms of, you know, even how society views it, which can be a good thing for for many couples is, you know, being able to get out. Um, But for many others, it does sometimes create an exit in moments where there is still opportunity to grow and work on things. And I think, as you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. social media, 
I think, more access to even other people's lives, quote unquote, um, and highlight reels. And so we compare ourselves mm -hmm. a lot. And this can be in relationships, it can be in business. And I see that happen a lot. And then on the other end, what my clients tell me the most often is I read all of this advice from you know, people who sometimes have huge social media accounts and they act on the advice without taking it into context. And so I think we just mm. hear so much advice, but we take it out of context because there's just so much nuance to a relationship. It's not black or white um, on top of Google search, right? So we also go on to Google yeah. and needs advice. Um, so <laughs> all of that yeah. just gives us so much access to a lot of things and we're just exposed to a lot of things. It can be very confusing. It really can. And then you've got the fact that life is very difficult for so many people right now. And again, it's another factor, like we're stressed, we're short tempered, we're working a lot. And then that, again, I think bleeds into relationships, we tend to take it out on the people we're closest to, right, if we're mm -hmm. feeling stressed and had a bad day. And I guess I'm bringing all this up from the get go, because it kind of weaves into your story and how Toolbox for Love came to be so if we could kind of touch on that a little bit because it's it's really interesting cool story um you met your partner dennis was it 2008 yes um yes. you're now husband dennis i should say and uh, you you shared on your website i read initially your relationship was going great but then a few years later you struggled with the same challenges your clients face feeling incompatible miscommunication doubts attraction to others and also you did over four years of long distance, which is amazing. Just that in itself, over four years, I've done the long distance thing a couple of times too, and it's really hard. It is, it is. So, so a relationship definitely comes with, every relationship will have its own unique challenges. So those were a few, mm. that's true. Mm. And then you said you nearly broke up twice, even though you still loved each other, but you did want to work things out. So, like reflecting on this time, you must have known deep down in some level that it was worth the fight, right? It's funny, I was actually talking about this with a client today. We were talking about external pressures and how she hears so much, you know, you should break up when it gets hard. Or if you're not feeling, you know, you're not feeling comfortable with your partner, maybe it's he's not the right one. And I was sharing with her exactly that, how apart from the challenges that we were facing, not knowing if we were too different because we are very different, long distance, will we drift apart, starting to be attracted to others because looking back, our needs were not being met. So again, at the time, we didn't have the language. But yeah, we, we, we actually were told, um, at least I was told that I should try things out with other people too. I should not just stick to one relationship. I should not stay with the same partner um, so young, you know, I'm too young to be in a long-term long committed relationship. And what I told this client, um, and to your point is, I said, let me at least try, let me at least try to overcome the challenges. I will learn so much in the process. And if it doesn't work out, thank you very much for your advice. I will, you know, try again and try a new relationship. But it does mm. deep down feel like this could also be a learning journey and that's exactly what I then teach my clients. There's so, so, so much growth that happens in a relationship. It would be so much easier if we were single. No one triggers us. No one gets on our nerves. Oh, we yeah. don't have to understand our partner. We don't have to express our needs all the time. So it's just a lot easier. And I remember telling this person or a few people that I'm just going to try it out long distance. 
people would say it wouldn't work. Well, let us try. Let us really try to overcome this yeah. other challenge that happened. So I think, yes, deep down, we wanted it to work. But mm -hmm. when all of this external pressure or doubts, internal doubts came in, I think it was also about let's 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 try. Let's yeah. see what what needs to be done if you know we need to seek support, if I need to learn something, if I need to learn about myself. So at least if we leave the relationship, I feel like I've tried everything. And I think that was mm -hmm. also something that was um, important to me. And I suppose what's important is that Dennis felt the same way. He was willing to do the work and, and meet you where you were at. And yeah, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience and something that happened recently was that, you know, the person that I was dating just kind of cut and run quite quickly. And I still find that so frustrating because I, you know, saw a lot of potential. Yes. So there is that side of it where you might be willing to put the work in, but then you've got the partner that isn't as well. So there's not really much we can do about that though, is there? That's very true. You need a partner who is willing to do the work. I will say though, that you don't necessarily need a partner who is willing to do the work at the same time, at the same pace and in the same way as you. Mm. To give you an, a, you know more of a perspective is Dennis, for example, has apart from a tool, let's say called the love languages that I know is, is pretty popular. If, if listeners haven't learned that or haven't heard about it, I would definitely recommend to look into that. And I have a masterclass that goes in depth into that. But apart from that, mm -hmm. and again, that's and that's something I introduced to him. Apart from that, it's not like we went to couples coaching or couples therapy together. It's not like we sat down and read the same book. It's not like we actually went and did courses together. Um, I think he learned things at his own pace in his own way opened up a lot became more let's say empathetic that's what he said the other day is like mm. through this relationship I've learned to open up as well and on my side I was more maybe the one looking at the tools and researching and coaching style going into what are the skills that I need how can I learn about myself I did the development uh, personal development workshops and seminars and stuff but I never forced him to do it it was more let mm. me grow and understand what's going on with me my triggers uh, understand him better, all of that, I will bring this mm -hmm. to the relationship. And as a result, we're going to grow together. So some couples do this work together. Some couples don't. Some couples do this at a very different pace. But yes, at the end of the day, you do want someone who is willing to make it work. I think that's that's mm -hmm. definitely true. Yeah, for sure. I've heard from um, some of our other dating experts, if you will, that it's doing the work on yourself as much as doing the work, you know, when you are in a relationship working as a team it's going inwards for sure a bit more about you because I, I think this is really interesting too you were born in Japan you've lived in Boston London San Francisco Tokyo Sydney Switzerland yes. <laughs> so very very well traveled very international if you will and you work with international clients I love to travel as well and I've lived in various countries too and this is something I've noticed and I'm sure you're going to agree with me no matter where in the world you are when it comes to relationship struggles it's all the same yes. <laughs> no matter who you are no matter how much money you've got no matter what language you speak everybody has to deal with the same crap basically <laughs> exactly I 100% agree I 100% agree I have clients who are in their 40s 50s and I have clients who are in their 20s I have clients in Australia and I have clients in LA or London or South Africa, mm -hmm. Dubai. And so mm -hmm. the the patterns are the same. The themes are the same. They're different per person, 
that's where we personalized mm. it. But I agree, it is. We, we see very um, similar patterns, that's true. Yeah. You talked a little bit about the external advice, noise, whether that's, you know, your kind of self-help books or all the things you, you can find online. But I'd also like to throw into the mix when it's friends and family as well. And I think sometimes when you're trying to figure out, am I going to stay in this? Is this the right person for me? Am I happy? And you're just quite conflicted and you're trying to make a decision, but maybe it's a bit challenging. I think sometimes it is helpful maybe to speak to a loved one, but then also perhaps it's not helpful because say that partner has been quite short-tempered recently, the grumpy, or they're withdrawing, they're distant, or you know whatever these sort of issues are. I think the natural instinct of a loved one, well, they go into protection mode. They want to protect you, right? So they would say, that person's not worth it. Get out. There's plenty more fish in the sea, all the cliches. How do we sort of navigate that in terms of, is it a good thing, you know, when we're like getting all these other opinions and sometimes the opinions aren't asked for as well? <laughs> That's very true. I agree. I agree. I, I think it, it, it is important to have a support system to, if needed, be surrounded with supportive people. I think that's absolutely okay. And as you mentioned, we do get then biased opinions as well, because we are only sharing our side of the coin. And when we share, we mm -hmm. don't always give all the details. Um, right. And it kind of dismisses our partner's experience and so we mm -hmm. tend to maybe not give the benefit of the doubt or seek understanding we kind of go into black or white thinking as you just said because yeah. our loved ones can be in protective mode they want what's best for you mm -hmm. they want to support mm -hmm. you and so i agree that can be helpful but also in a lot of cases i see at least is can be very confusing or harmful and destructive for the relationship mm -hmm. that can potentially be a very very healthy and secure relationship mm -hmm. and so I think there are many mm -hmm. directions someone can take this mm. um, to, depending on the person. For some people, it might be, I need healthier boundaries so that I can still listen to other people's opinions, seek support, talk about things, but I can then tune into what I want and what I need. And so I'm not putting this hard boundary and not connecting with anyone, but I'm mm. also not just taking anything in and just being, you know, swept left and right and then being even more confused so for some it's boundaries yeah yeah because yeah, then you could go on to mm -hmm. maybe regret your decision which leads okay. me on to I found uh, a really interesting article it's a few years old on psychology today and it shared six reasons why people end relationships too soon and go on to regret it so I'd love to know your thoughts on this because I found it super interesting but it says most people who leave a relationship are ready to move on, but some, after time passes, begin to regret their decision. Once they've put the negative aspects of that past relationship behind them, they begin to miss the good times. Haunted by having left someone they perhaps truly loved, they wonder if they should have tried harder to make the relationship work and begin to search for that lost love. They may find that their past partners are no longer available and so they've missed their chance, but sometimes they find out that a past love is unattached and the possibility that they might have another chance awakens a compelling desire to try again. Even if their feelings may no longer be reciprocated, they cannot walk away without finding out. So these are the six psychology today's most common reasons people leave relationships too soon. So number one is fear of commitment. I can see why that's number one. Number two is 
lack of readiness for a long-term relationship. Number three is going back to an unfinished relationship. Then it's lack of faith in successful long-term relationships, choosing easy over challenge. And then number six is lacking the skills to transform romantic feelings to deeper love. So you must deal with all this kind of stuff all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. I think those are good reasons. That's a good list. Yeah. When we're trying to figure out if we're ready to break up, I've actually, I've got a quote from um, a US couples therapist and relationship expert called Tracy K. Ross, who said, if the person makes you a priority in their life and you have fun together, communicate well, and there is good chemistry, this is generally a very good basis for a relationship. If all that is true, but it just doesn't feel right, you need to understand what exactly that means so that you're not giving up too soon or just setting yourself up to repeat the same pattern with the next person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, again, maybe it goes to this gut thing where it's like, I've just got this niggling feeling, but that person's great. And, you know, we, we enjoy our time together and we've got good chemistry, but then there's a niggling feeling where, like, what is that feeling? Is it like an unsettling thing? Can it be misguided sometimes? I think some people do have a strength in actually listening to their instinct and are very in tune with that. I see that also with clients. Some people have that very, very strong gut feeling and know what's right or wrong or can more easily kind Mm -hmm. of tune into that. But many Mm -hmm. of us don't. Um, And I'm saying Mm -hmm. us because I've, I've been there too. And so many of us actually find it very confusing. Should I make a decision based on this feeling? Is this feeling true or not? And that can come up for various reasons. And you mentioned you know, that from the list that you gave, you said fear of commitment, lack of readiness. One thing could be even beliefs that things that you actually believe about relationships that now jeopardize maybe the relationship because they're maybe not serving the relationship anymore. If I feel like I have Mm -hmm. to constantly be happy or in love, then the day that I'm not, or I don't feel like the chemistry is there, maybe I'm going to have this gut feeling and I'm going to be like, maybe something's wrong. Or Mm -hmm. if my partner does not make me a priority, today let's say today in terms of like right in this in these months etc maybe that's a bad thing but actually maybe there's Mm. so much else going on maybe I haven't expressed myself so I feel like there's so 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 much more um, to consider whenever you have that feeling and go what is contributing to this can I find out a little bit more because it's less black or white and it's just so much more complex in certain situations and perhaps beliefs cloud facts Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like, is this a belief that you have come to a conclusion on because of past relationships or past experiences? But is it actually a fact? Exactly. You know, a big part of my work as well with certain clients is to is to kind of go back to beliefs and go, okay, what do you actually believe a relationship is about? What is true about relationships? I've heard all sorts of things, and, and myself included in that. Um, I've heard romance doesn't last forever. For some people, it's you should actually be happy 24-7. I have a list of beliefs that I still want to tackle on my Instagram account. I was just, you know, mm-hmm. listing all the uh, hundreds of, of comments that I've been receiving of all the beliefs people have. They're so interesting. Um, some beliefs really? serve us, but some actually make us really unhappy because they're either too rigid or they're unrealistic. They come from, mm-hmm. as you said, maybe fairy tales, movies. We see certain things and then 
kind of make them true. And so I think there's a lot to look into. What what are my beliefs about mm-hmm. my relationship or relationships in general? What do I believe? Um, that's mm. that's a work on its own. Yeah, that's true. Mm. In your toolbox, communication is obviously a big priority. So I've got another quote here from this therapist who said, many couples I see want to give up because they feel their needs aren't being met, but they haven't truly let their partner know what those needs are, or it comes out as accusations, um, blaming their person for what's wrong. This is not the way to go about getting your, your needs met. One of the things that you teach, I know, is how to create a safe space to talk and bring up topics that are maybe sometimes a bit tricky, but they're important to you. Yeah, if you could talk a little bit about your observations here. Your course is called Constructive Conversations. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and, and yes, so to have constructive conversations, you first need to create a safe space to talk. But even before that, as you said, um, unexpressed needs are one of the biggest, let's say, factors that I see in couples when there is miscommunication, frustration, anger. And Mm. that's because there's usually a belief of if they wanted to, they would, or my partner should know because maybe we've been Mm -hmm. together for a long time or because it should be normal or this for me is normal in a relationship. Why is it not normal for them? Uh, Why don't Mm. they just know? Why don't they just observe? Why aren't, you know? And so there are huge beliefs about that in the first place of it is not natural or is not genuine, authentic, if I have to express my needs. And I was there before. So it was a whole how to practice expressing my own needs. And for some, it's Mm -hmm. not even just beliefs, well, kind of tied to beliefs, but we were told maybe by our parents, our caregivers, that it's not okay to actually express your real needs, express Mm -hmm. yourself. You get reprimanded or you get, you know, judged for expressing yourself. So for some, it's actually very difficult to know what do I actually need? I don't even know what I need and what I want. And then I struggle to even voice it out. So you see how there's a lot there as well to kind of um, see. But then, so that's kind of the first part even. And the other mm-hmm. part is then to say, okay, once I'm clear that I need to, yes, express my needs, my partner is not a mind reader. How can mm-hmm. I create a safe space to talk? Because if we're not in a safe space, we're going to act from our, I call this the crocodile brain, uh, which is here in the back of our head. And Mm. from that's kind of our triggered self. If I'm not feeling open for the conversation, curious, if I'm not in the safe space myself, it's going to be very difficult to create a safe space for my partner and for our relationship. And so we might quickly escalate into conflict. And so that's Mm. what I teach with different steps in constructive conversations and give you a very specific framework to go let me pause a second. Let me listen to what's happening for me. How do I open up the conversation? What happens if my partner receives things the wrong way? What can I do? And how do I end the conversation? It's as important as how you start it. Um, whether the conversation went very well, whether mm-hmm. it's still not resolved, if you're trying to find a solution, there are still ways to end a conversation in ways that create trust. And that is so important mm-hmm. to keep growing in your relationship to go, okay, it's not perfect all the time, but we're still um, acting as a team. We're looking at this as a team and that's a skill on its own. Mm. What would you advise if say, you know, that like the your, whoever you're going to talk to, your partner is quite reactive and they might 
immediately jump onto the defense because I'd imagine that is why it puts a lot of people off saying things that, you know, the where is this going conversation, for example, is mm-hmm. horrible, isn't mm-hmm. it, for, for lots? Because it, it, and it all stems from a place of fear, fearing that they're going to hear something from their partner that they're not going to like or it's not going to go in their favor. That's yeah. So, so what kind of would you advise there? I would even look at how do I start a difficult conversation? Do I check in to see if it's a good time to talk? That will help our partner feel more open and more willing to even have the conversation because I'm respecting their time too. It's not, I need to talk. We usually see these memes or in movies like, I need to talk, creates a lot of anxiety and creates a lot of Mm. like, you know, uh, what's Mm. going to happen, right? There's so much uncertainty in that. What is my partner going to tell me? So is it a good time to, to talk? I have something really important. I love to, you know, lead difficult conversations with an intention for the conversation. Why is it important? Look, I really want to have this conversation because I want to, you know, have some clarity about where where things are going. I really value how far we've come. I want us to, you know, remain on good terms. But I, but I, but I just feel a bit confused, and I want to have some more clarity on what's going on. And then, whatever our partner's reaction, that's where you want to, and as difficult as it can be, because it can trigger us as well, is how can I remain grounded and curious? What is going on with my partner? It's, you know, their reaction. They're reacting to something. What is happening in their world? How can I show understanding and curiosity? Because if I go and get triggered by their trigger or, you know, continue on that spiral, we're going nowhere because we're going to act out of our crocodile brain. And that leads to absolutely no solutions. And that's a skill called co-regulation. We go into self-regulation. How do I regulate my own emotions? But how do I co-regulate? If my partner is upset, how do I still create a safe space for us to kind of cool down, take a second, pause, be the bigger person in a conversation? Not always easy, but that's very healing. In terms of like the toolbox, the toolkit, you actually give this away as a a resource for um, signing up to your newsletter on your website. And that's a relationship check-in where you have six, Mm -hmm. I think, questions that you share. And and the purpose of the relationship check-in, is this something that you advise people do like once or twice? Or is it like a, a a continual thing in terms of like, are you happy? Are your needs being met? This is definitely something I recommend on a regular basis. It can feel a little bit formal at first if it's the first time, but the more you do it, the more natural it gets. Mm. Um, I have clients doing this very religiously, having, you know, specific questions that they ask each other on, for example, a Sunday evening. Um, With my partner, I don't necessarily do something formal, but we check in with each other every day or every second day. How are you doing? You know, Um, but it's been a practice, right? So it's not Mm. always been this way. Um, So everyone has their own frequency. The purpose of doing it on a consistent basis is because your relationship will evolve, will change. If you have an agreement to do something very differently and go, okay, let's do this X, Y, Z differently. Let's, you know, let me work on this. Let me work on this. You still need to check in with each other because things won't always be perfect. You want to go, is this working for us? Have we been consistent? Can we check in with each other? Where do we need Mm -hmm. adjustments? What can we do differently? And Mm -hmm. The thing is, a big mistake I see is we set agreements, we talk about things, but then we expect everything to go perfectly and we get very disappointed. 
And so check-ins are a great way to kind of have these midway check-ins measure progress, just like you would do in a business. You set goals and then you have quarterly meetings or monthly meetings to see how are things going. So kind of, mm. you know, for people who, who work um, and are in mm. corporate, have their own businesses, treat that as, a, you know, kind of like a business. You you would do mm. the same to, to, to keep the company healthy. And so why do we expect things mm. to go perfectly in a relationship as soon as we set, you know, one goal and one um, new habit? Habits take practice. Our brain needs repetition. Yeah. We will make mistakes. It won't always be perfect. Yeah. So the check-ins are a great way to ease the anxiety of going, look, it has to be perfect. Now I'm going to scan for for every little thing. It has to all go perfectly. Our mind will go that way. Mm. It's normal. But check-ins are a great way to kind of measure how we're doing and also not wait until things explode. I know that's that was my tendency before and my clients mm. resonate with that a lot. We accumulate, accumulate, accumulate for different reasons. And then we explode and it kind of just goes downwards from there. So some consistency there really helps for yeah. for people who have difficult time expressing their needs right away. Um, so having that check-in is also super, super important there. Mm. You mentioned um, about your course, your online course, Love Languages too. Uh, you don't necessarily mean like, you know, bedroom talk, do you? This is about communication again, ultimately. It's communication. It's It's also understanding your needs. You know, I could say, I could tell my partner, I want to feel more loved. I want to feel more connected. I want to feel like you're more affectionate. But I have my own definition of what that means. And that's where a lot of relationships drift apart or couples drift apart because we give the support, we give the love, we give, you know, we try to connect, but in our own way. Mm -hmm. And that's not the language our partner speaks. Mm -hmm. And so first things first is you want to get clear on mm -hmm. what do I need specifically. And so I go not just into love languages, but I talk about a concept called dialects. And until I learned about the dialects, we would go into the exact same arguments for a specific topic for 12 years. So not being clear on your love languages or dialects um, and your needs can bring up the same fights over and over again. And that can be super exhausting. So that's where I teach you how to get clear on what you each need so that even if you're different, you can still get on the same page. Because someone who has their needs met and feels loved, feels appreciated, feels cherished, understood, does not want to leave a relationship. I can guarantee that if all of your needs are met, you will have a little, little reasons mm. to leave the relationship. And so you want to notice, are my needs being met? Do I have words to express that? And that, that's where the love languages can come in. So if you don't speak the dialect of, I don't know, Dalek or something, <laughs> then, <laughs> then how, how, you're not a mind reader, are you? How do you go about maybe finding this out from your partner? Exactly. So then there are different ways um, I share on how to even find out, you know, whether you have the conversation or not with your partner, what are different ways you can find that out? One way could be, um, to give you an example, through your partner's complaints. What does my partner typically complain they are not getting or complain that you're not doing? Oh, okay. There's, you know, they're saying that they don't hear I love you enough. Mm, maybe they're really keen on words. And their dialect is actually words of appreciation rather than a different type of word. So that's where we go very, very specific. Mm. And you want to imagine this is an analogy I love to use is you're 
getting clear on your target so that your partner knows, okay, I know where to hit. I know how to love you. I know how to connect with you. And you're doing exactly the same for your partner. So there are different ways to figure out what is my target and what is my partner's target? And I go through all of the different options to help you. But that would be one way. What is my partner complaining about a lot or typically complains about? What do we typically get into fights mm-hmm. about? That can tell you a lot about what's happening. There's one quote, I believe, from Esther Perel, who is also an expert in relationships, who says, behind every criticism mm-hmm. is a wish. I hope I'm not misquoting her and it is actually from her. But um, it's kind of that concept of what is actually the need behind someone's complaint? What is the wish? What do they actually want? We tend to speak in terms of what mm-hmm. we don't want in, instead of what we do want. It's a huge skill sometimes to develop. Mm-hmm. What do I want? Right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that can be... I think sometimes we don't know though, do we as well? This is where it all yes. gets really, really confusing. Yes. Not just from a partner, just yes. in life. It's like, I don't know what exactly. I want. I'm just kind of... Exactly, exactly. And so... <laughs> Who's driving this exactly, car? <laughs> exactly. So that that's exactly the work that we sometimes have to do is on ourselves and say... Can I identify my needs? I was just talking to a client who said, I thought I knew my needs. I was telling my partner what I needed, but now I have the words for it. And this is a framework that I teach in love languages. I teach you fundamental needs. And to say, oh, mm. this is what I need. Now I can put words to it. So that, I agree, that is a work in mm. itself, is getting clear on your target first mm. and then understanding what your partner's target is. And that's for the sake of you know, reducing misunderstandings, miscommunication getting on the same page, having your needs met. And all of that is for the sake of building a thriving, lasting, healthy relationship. All of that contributes to that. Well, speaking of, I hope you don't mind that I took note of this. It was a recent Instagram post that you created defining a healthy relationship. And I made notes of the bullet points because I thought they were so great. I've got them in front of me here. Being aware of and expressing your needs, which we've talked quite a bit about already um learning about your partner's needs which we've also talked about putting your efforts on the right place so is that again with the kind of hitting the target exactly exactly so one example here is the love languages that i you know speaking each other's love language is exactly that is efforts alone aren't enough Mm. how how often do we hear i'm doing efforts and make do you know making efforts for my partner but it just doesn't seem enough Mm. so is my partner not the one is my partner toxic or 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 unhealthy um Mm. we first want to look at where are you putting your efforts do you know how to to love them specifically how they want to feel loved for example that's Mm. one example so yeah yeah, I guess like some people might not necessarily appreciate thinking of a, a, a friend I was talking to recently and his man. And he said, you know, he keeps taking me out for fancy dinners, but I just really would like to stay home, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not not spend all this money. And, and yeah, different love language, I think. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. Discussing and respecting deal breakers. Mm-hmm from Mm -hmm. the get-go so that's an interesting one setting healthy boundaries this is great listening to understand not to respond yes and even when we listen we filter whatever is being said through our own mind and we come up with our own version we sometimes dismiss certain details and focus on certain other details so um it's important to really understand did i get that right am i understanding you that is a skill in its on its own as well 
Yeah, that is such a good point. Yeah, it's understanding why they're saying it. Identifying why you get triggered. That's a really interesting one. So I guess that might be, again, like past experiences, past relationships that are making you perhaps overreact to to things. Exactly. Pausing before reacting when you get upset. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, another great reminder there. The Mm. The pause can actually save... Um, a relationship full stop not pausing before reacting can actually be destructive in a lot of cases and so it's a skill Mm -hmm. in its own to say I have a second to pause take a deep breath take a step back and decide how to how do I choose to respond am I responding from my triggered self crocodile brain remember or am I actually Mm -hmm empowered in the in in how i'm going to respond and that takes a step back it's it's not an easy thing to do it's a skill for sure holding space for each other Mm yeah uh learning from mistakes separating facts from interpretations before jumping to conclusions such a great one (laughs) yes someone said in the comments this is one of the hardest um sometimes uh, because our brain does interpret information all the time. And so yeah, it can sometimes yeah. feel like our yeah. own thoughts are reality, are the truth. Um, so that, that takes a lot of effort too. It's so true. And that leads us on to your next point, which is managing intrusive thoughts and doubts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Being able to have constructive, honest conversations, even when, when it's hard, which we've talked quite mm-hmm. a bit about today. And also this one, reducing unhelpful external noise. Letting go of limiting beliefs that prevent you from experiencing authentic love. I think for our app users in particular, that, that one will, will resonate because self-worth um, and self-love seems to be areas that people that listen to this podcast and people that use the My Possible Self app, it always comes up as one of the top things that they struggle with. Yeah. So if, if, if I feel like I'm, I'm never good enough or my needs are not important, then that will affect the relationship, for example. Mm. so being able to let go of that mm-hmm. and that's super hard right exactly exactly it's a whole process of learning that it's okay to have your needs it's okay to have your needs met it's okay to ask for support um yeah. so all of that and is, that you deserve it and you deserve it exactly exactly yeah mm. defining what works for you and your partner in your situation that's another great one, isn't it? Because it's not the same for everyone. And I think people do compare themselves to, oh, well, those guys have been together for however many years and it's all white picket fences and stuff from the outside looking in, of course. I'm sure it's not like that in reality. Sure. But Taking accountability for your actions. Mm-hmm. That can be difficult if your partner's stubborn as well or you're stubborn. True, <laughs> true, true. I was, yeah. actually, I was actually discussing this with a client today who came in and said okay this is my part of things and we're two months into our work so I I usually work uh, on a basis of three months and so I'm so proud of her for going okay this is how I contributed to the situation and I just had to congratulate her because she could have and I told her she could have come in blamed her partner from A to Z because I work with the individual here and she chose to say no this is my part how do I work now with the guilt how do I work with being disappointed in myself for doing this how can I work on new skills moving forward and so this is huge mm. this is 
um, the first step in, in making change is knowing what's going on with yeah. me too. How did I contribute to this? Uh, addressing challenges before it feels too late. Yep. Again, probably a bit scary. It, it is. It is. And in a lot of cases I see, and this is something I've been told personally, is time will fix things. Time will help. Just let time do its own thing. And I believe that, yes, time can be very important because you need some time to practice new skills, build habits, maybe accept certain things, whatever it is. But you also need intentional actions and go, okay, what am I actually mm. doing with my time? Am I just letting things like this, putting things under the rug? where I'm actually addressing certain things. Mm. As you said, it's scary, 100%. It can be very mm -hmm. scary at times. Okay, just two more points. Reconnecting on a regular basis so that you don't drift apart, like, for example, the relationship check-in. Exactly. And being fully present with each other when you spend time together, mm -hmm. that's, that's a good one. I mean, that applies, I think, to everybody in any kind of relationship, not just romantic ones that, yeah. you know. What do they say? The best present is your presence? Yes. That's a good one. <laughs> mm. Just as we're kind of starting to wrap things up, I didn't want to eliminate our single mm -hmm. listeners and app users uh, too. So how can those that are seeking out, trying to find the right partner so that they can have something more sustainable, more long-term, in terms of advice that you could give for how we don't enter into another dead-end relationship or waste time with time wasters i think especially on dating apps at least in my experience there's just so many time wasters on there mm -hmm. um so yeah do you have any dating tips for finding the right person for a long-term relationship so it's kind of a let's say a tricky question because i believe that there could be multiple right people um and so yeah. i think reducing the pressure so you don't believe in the one the soulmate no uh, kind I feel like there are better people for you, but only one. I personally do not believe it because, first of all, that puts a lot of pressure on, on just, you know, <laughs> one person. And I feel like, you know, it could work with other types of people, but it's just there will be other maybe challenges, other differences, other things that, you know, will connect us. And so that's my perspective. I think everyone gets to have their own mm. perspective, but that's where mm. I'm saying tricky question because what I would advise someone is to say, what do I actually look in when I look for a partner? What are the qualities that I'm looking for? What are my needs? How am I showing up? So it's more of that kind of energy that I would go into the dating world in, mm -hmm. is going, what am I looking for? And what am I looking for doesn't have to be a checklist of a hundred things that someone has to check the boxes on because we also don't want to go into mm -hmm. this person has to be the perfect fit. Um, I've had friends and people I know um, that have been looking for the right person and have never been in a long-term relationship, not even for mm -hmm. six months or a year because they're looking for someone who checks all the boxes. So I would also advise you to keep some mm -hmm. openness of what are my must-haves and what are some nice-to-haves, let's say. Um, what are things that are so important for me that someone has that without that I would not be happy but also what are things that I'm still flexible on? Maybe that could be another perspective. Mm. This is a broader topic, but that would be a place I would start because if we're looking for the right person who checks all the boxes, then it can be very, very stressful process. So you get to enjoy the process and see, let me be curious, let me explore. Um, but it, let me yeah, also be clear yeah. on my deal breakers and what I don't want to accept, mm. right? 
I think one of the biggest takeaways that I'm getting from this conversation is that you have to put in the work, whether you're single, whether you're in a relationship. I think as well, sometimes people think, oh, well, once I've got somebody and we're exclusive, that sort of job's done. But mm-hmm. actually, it feels like the job's never done. It's You have to continue to work at it. But that is the key to a happy, healthy, long partnership. Yes, yes. And the work doesn't have to be tedious and 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 disgusting and horrible and actually right. and the work right. the work actually gets more enjoyable as as you also learn new skills feel more understood have your needs met you know be able to express your partner's needs reconnect on a regular basis the work is still there i still argue with my partner we still have our moments but we know how to bounce yeah. back so conflict instead of 3 days lasts 20 minutes and so it's work mm-hmm. but it's not you know, the work of like the draining work, the draining work has been done, you know, it's, it does sometimes mm-hmm. take a lot of energy if you're very, very different and have to learn certain skills, right. but it gets, let's say, I'm going to say easier. I don't really like to use the word easy, but let's say more enjoyable with time. You you have more confidence. You have, you feel more empowered getting out of mm-hmm. conflict. You know how to do things. That's, that's what I teach people to do is to say, now you have the tools to do this. It doesn't feel confusing and totally out of control you know mm. how to deal with the the lows and how to nurture the highs right and how to meet the needs I guess yes. so do you think apart from like relationships that are obviously harmful ones where there's maybe mm-hmm. abuse or it's toxic or you know in those circumstances absolutely walk away but in terms of like certainly with the clients that you work with and more of the everyday questions that come up and the sort of mental chatter of are we still compatible do we still enjoy being with each other do I see myself growing old with this person you know those kind of things that come up where I think those are the moments where people can cut and run do you think for everybody that we we can work on on this and have a a happy sustainable Mm -hmm. future with our partner I believe that yeah in, in most cases, as you said, you know, there are cases where we're not talking about um, abusive, violent mm-hmm. relationship, for example. But in, in most cases, yes, we, what I've seen at least so far is that we can overcome challenges. In certain situations, it's a matter of learning how to manage our triggers. In others, it's learning how to understand the other partner better. So your situation would be very different from someone else's. Um, mm-hmm. So I get very curious what, what do I need? And I'm saying this because whether you're with your current partner or going to a next relationship, you bring your patterns with you. If you have, mm. let's say, a difficulty managing your reactions and feel like you have no boundaries, you get affected by everything, that is going to happen in your next relationship. Maybe at a different intensity because maybe your partner is different, but it will still happen. That's because it's a pattern you bring with you. And that's the accountability piece we talked about. Mm. So you want to go, what is the pattern that I, it's, it's not about I'm wrong, I'm bad. I don't know how to manage my triggers. What is the pattern? Okay, I need to learn X, Y, Z for this mm. relationship and for potentially next one if I, if I decide to leave this one. So it's, it's choosing who do I want to kind of learn these things with? Who do I want to overcome the challenges with um, mm. in that sense? Yeah. Such great insight. Okay, so final question. I ask every guest, 
to set us some homework based on the theme of the episode. So in this case, Alexandra, what is a simple, actionable thing that we can all do to help build and maintain a loving and nurturing romantic relationship that will help us on our quest to cultivating a happier life? Hmm. Five different things come to mind, but let me go with one. (laughs) But I would go with... um is in any situation, because I think this could apply for any situation, is asking yourself, what can I do about this right now? What needs to happen from my side right now? It's a question you can ask yourself when you're going through difficult times or when you're confused. What needs to happen from my side? Whether you're single or looking to build a healthy relationship, long-term relationship, or in a relationship looking to actually grow it. What needs to happen Mm -hmm. from my side? That is a very empowering question instead of looking at what does my partner need to change because that's not something we can control. And so what first needs to happen from my side that will create ripple effects um, if I walk the talk, um, for example. I love that. Thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. So for more on you, and we'll add this to the show notes as well, your website is www.toolboxforlove.com. And then on Instagram, it's the same, Toolbox for Love. Exactly. Thank you for having me. Oh, this has been brilliant. Got so much wisdom. Where did you get these tools? <laughs> Experience, uh, personal development workshops, yeah, coaching certifications, but mainly it's putting the work and, and applying that to myself first before teaching it. Oh, thank you again to Alexandra Schelling, aka Toolbox for Love. And thank you to you for joining me for another episode of the Happier Life Project. Next week, we welcome the return of anxiety expert Joshua Fletcher for an episode on holiday dread and Christmas anxiety, which will be our last podcast episode of 2022. I cannot believe where this year has gone. Now for the important bit of housekeeping, if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app, which will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. If you are not listening on the app, but on one of the podcast platforms, the My Possible Self app is completely free to download. So you don't need to worry, it's not gonna cost you anything. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you found this episode helpful. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self and I've been at Radio Gabby. So please do take care and I'll see you on the next one. Bye for now.